Welcome to another episode of Tuff and Cast. I speak with photography industry leaders who make it a habit of inspiring others, bridging craft and commerce to help you create a sustainable and creative business. Today's guest is Corey Potter, a founder of Fuel Your Photos, a community for photographers that specializes on SEO education. And he's here today to dispel some myths about SEO. Welcome to the show. It is wonderful to talk to you online, being recorded, because every time we get together offline or not being recorded, you say some of the craziest and awesomest things about SEO, man. You've helped me so much uh, over the years, and I've got to thank you for your diligence and your generosity uh, for just, you know, helping a guy out. I appreciate that. And uh, I've seen your business completely bloom and, you know, take over. Uh, honestly, I don't know of any other website such as yours that is so dedicated to teaching people about SEO. And uh, let, you know, one of the easiest questions I'm going to ask you is this: Why SEO is why is SEO so important to you? Yeah, what well, I mean, this it, it, it's an obsession, clearly. But so let, let's talk about it. You know? Yeah, I mean, I feel like I guess maybe it started because I. Uh, I started doing web development and uh, getting into computers in high school and like just fell in love with it and then started making my own websites. I started a website when I first started doing photography and it was just like kind of a side thing, but my website was more effective than most of the people in my area. And I started getting leads really quickly. I think I just naturally think in algorithms, not that I'm like some super nerdy math guy, but I see patterns very well. And so for me, it just kind of makes a lot of sense. And it's all like, I think people feel like it's very complicated. And to me, it's like, it's not that complicated. It just makes sense. And I feel like I can do a decent job most of the time of taking something that people feel is complicated and turning it into something that is approachable. And I know if, if you get it right, and if you really, if you have that light bulb moment and you're like, oh, that's what SEO is all about, then it can literally change your business. And I've had even someone this week told me, you know, we took your course and then all of a sudden we got it. We did this stuff. And now we've got people left and right coming to us, like trying to approach us and say, can we, how can we help you? Can we feature you? And just like that whole idea of like, if you do the work up front and you can like put yourself out there, people will find you automatically all the time in your sleep. I just love the idea of that kind awesome. of stuff, I guess. So one of the things that I think uh, happens to most industries, whether you're talking about Nikons or Canons or Fuji or Sony or whatever, there's all kinds of stories that sort of spiral out of control. And, uh, and you know, <laughs> these myths, these urban legends are created and then spread around and people... Uh, buy into them, unfortunately. Uh, so let's talk about three common myths that photographers choose to believe. And, you know, they need some help, you know, dispelling that. Okay, cool. So first one, right off the bat, maybe the most common is that photographers believe that SEO, if you're going to rank well, you have to blog frequently or that you need to blog every session or that you have to be blogging multiple times per week, something like that. And it has been said over and over and over and over in the industry, in the photography industry, other photographers teaching 
um, whatever it is, people are telling you, well, I blog frequently and I have great SEOs and that that's what it was. It was blogging. And that's just been said over and over and over to the point where people believe it as a fact. And the fact of the matter is blogging frequently in and of itself is not the thing that is going to necessarily impact your ranking. And I think that it's not that there's no truth whatsoever in the fact that blogging frequently can help your site. But the, the problem is that people believe it at the surface level, as in the act of blogging frequently is going to help you rank better. That like Google likes frequency, that Google likes you to be regular with your posting, uh, that they like to see fresh content. That's just not necessarily the case with most photography sites. Okay. Uh, the follow-up question to that is, you know, if you are not blogging frequently, uh, what should you be blogging? Yeah, so I, that's, a, that's a great way to ask the question because blogging in and of itself is a great idea because it gives you the opportunity to cast a wider okay. net, right? You can, you can rank for more things if you cover more topics. Blogging also allows you to build and establish authority on a topic. It lets you show your expertise. It lets you um, show that you know a variety of subjects that you really know what you're talking about. So uh, most of the time, I think people get, they feel like the only thing they can blog are their sessions. And that's probably the, the least effective thing you can blog. There are people who will tell you, oh, but I blog my weddings and um, I rank for the venue and I get inquiries for that. It can happen. But what I'm telling you is that in 2019 and going forward, it's less and less common for that to happen because so many people have done it and you're just another blog post at this point on the same topic. And so you have to build something, a resource that is significantly better than what exists. And SEO is always about understanding the query. What is someone searching for and what do they mean by that? What do they actually want to know? So if I search for a wedding venue, do I want to see just one wedding, a blog post at that venue with a whole story about that couple? Probably not. I want to know the details about the venue, the history of the venue, the capacity, what the ceremony looks like, reception looks like, all of those kinds of things are on my mind. And I want a post that tells me that from an expert. So I think having resources that help the your potential clients that they could find in their buying process or in their journey, um, writing about things that you know as a photographer for other photographers, even though that some people don't think that they should do that. I think it's a great way of establishing authority. Um, that kind of thing. Like you need to put more information and resources on your site and a blog is a great Can way you talk that. a little bit about uh, pillar content or is that a topic that's for another day? Well, it could get really deep, but essentially what I just described is what we would call cornerstone content, pillar yeah. content, whatever yeah. you want to call it. Um, it it's, it just if you have one piece of content on your site that is the authoritative source for a particular topic, then that becomes the cornerstone content. So if you have a topic that is, uh, I'll stick with weddings right this second because I typically do wedding photography or that's what I did and that's, you know, that just comes to my mind. But like if I want to talk about wedding venues in Columbia, South Carolina, then I need one post that is the authoritative source on wedding venues in Columbia. If there's one wedding venue, let's say um, the Millstone Adams Pond, I need one page or one post on my site that is the authoritative source for that particular venue. That becomes the cornerstone post or page for that keyword, that topic. I don't want to have other pages competing with that, that content because 
then Google doesn't know which one to rank. Um, so that's the idea of cornerstone content. It's obviously there's like more to it, but it would take an hour just to talk about it probably. <laughs> As these topics tend to be, I mean, there there's a there's an opportunity to learn things at the at the surface level, or you can go real deep. Uh, it all depends on your 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 I guess your interest level and your ability to absorb these things. Uh, and obviously, you know, being able to hear it from folks like you and teachers like you to, to explain things in a, in a way that it makes sense. And, and, and having had these conversations with you in the past, Corey, uh, you've had a really, really nice way of explaining things to me. And for me to understand, okay, well, I could go this way and I could go completely wrong in what I'm trying to do. But you've sort of said, hey, no, 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 this is what, what I'm seeing in my data, right? It's data-based, fact-based, and you are forcing, yep. I mean, not forcing, you're, you are directing, guiding me in the right direction. So that's why I, I, I figure I really need to talk to you about this. Um, one of the other things I, uh, associated with blogging, and I, I, I think the myth of blogging frequently may have come up, and I'm just thinking, I was just thinking about this, is because people figure the more times you blog, the more opportunities there are to link back to you. Is there some truth yeah. to that? There is truth to that. So here's the idea. Like if you can blog very frequently and it's always very high quality content, that is obviously the winning combination. The problem is you have to become essentially a professional gotcha. blogger. Like, do you want to be a blogger or do you want to be a photographer? You have to have some balance. So for most photographers, they aren't able to blog three times a week and have very high quality content. Maybe you could blog three sessions a week and it's just like a, a short paragraph about the couple or about the subject of the session that you could probably pull off, but that's probably not helping you there. People aren't going to link to that kind of content, right? So if you have, if you can put out interesting authoritative content that is complete and answers questions and help is helpful to your target audience and you can do it frequently, Wow, that's even better. You maybe you could hire someone to help with that if you want to like really get aggressive. Um, but yeah, that's there's certainly truth to that. So blogging frequently is not a hundred percent a myth. I think the myth is I should blog all of my client work, and that in and of itself is going to help me rank better. I think the the takeaway here is you need to start thinking about blogging a little bit differently. People hate blogging because they don't know what to write and they feel like it's the same thing over and over and they're just using the same keywords on posts over and over again. You've got to stop doing that stuff and you've got to start thinking, how can I create content that is helpful, useful, and establishes me as an authority? If you can do that and if you do it once a month or if you do it even once a quarter, you're probably better off than blogging three times a week with really thin content or content that nobody really cares Sweet. about. Second one, second myth that you want to talk about. So I think that one of the reasons that photographers hate SEO when they do is that it takes so much time and it's tedious and they feel like they just don't have time to do it all. And I keep having people over and over, can I just hire someone to do this for me? And I'm like, what exactly do you want to hire someone to do for you? And every time I feel like what comes up is file names and alt text. And they feel like it takes them an extra hour or two to go through every time they create something and add, you know, change every file name and add alt text to every photo. And what I am here to tell you is that if you're doing all of that, you're probably wasting time that you could be using to do something else that's going to get you more benefit. Um, 
alt text and file names, in my opinion, I have to say that very carefully because some people have different opinions and you may find some people that have some data that says in some cases, this is not always true, all right? My opinion, in most cases, alt text and file names are such a small factor that they're almost meaningless for ranking, okay? There are good reasons to use alt text for accessibility, um, but the way that most photographers are doing alt text and file names is a waste of time and may even potentially hurt them more than it helps them, especially if you're copy and pasting the same keywords into all of them. Uh, so I guess the myth is file names and alt text are going to be the thing that gets me rankings. People are like, where do I put my keywords? How do I get my keywords into my images? Cause I don't want to write things. That's just not how SEO works. Not anymore. And not if you want to have any kind of meaningful result. Maybe you get a few images that rank in image search, get a few clicks and randomly once in a while, someone might inquire, but that's not, that's not the potential that SEO has. Like you have the potential to bring in qualified leads on a steady basis by creating high quality content, not by like, maybe I'll get something by putting in some keywords into file names and alt text. That's just not what this is all about. So one of the things that uh, you brought up uh, before we started recording was the idea that, uh, and this I did not know, honestly, because yeah, this is the kind of stuff that blows my mind, man. When you start saying stuff, I'm <laughs> like, what? So you said yeah. that Google actually recognizes images. Yeah, yeah, that's it's become such... So I guess like it, it for a, lo a long time they could do it, but they didn't do it very often because of the resources that it takes, like the processing power for a computer to, you know, the machine learning to run on it and recognize the objects of the image has gotten so fast and the resources have gotten good enough that I believe that Google is doing this on most images. Um, and so what can happen is if you, if you want to experiment with this and see how well it works, it, just do a Google search for Google vision API or cloud vision API. And if you do that search, it'll, it'll bring up Google's little API page, but there's a little box where it says like, test this for yourself and you can drag an image onto it and it'll take maybe three seconds or something. And it will tell you all the things in the image, the emotions on the no faces way. in the image. It'll tell you where that image appears across the web. It can even detect if it showed up in a video. Like it's, it's mind blowing how much they can gather wow. from an image in a matter of a second or two. Um, and so the fact is Google can see images. Not only do they recognize objects within images, but they recognize aesthetic. So that's kind of something that's really easy at a broad stroke. If you've ever been on a website where like as it was loading, it was kind of blurred out, but you could still see the main yeah. color of the image. Uh, and that's because these algorithms are really good at understanding like in a broad stroke, what is the aesthetic of this image? And so that's really interesting to think about Google understands what an image of X should look like because they have other images mm. of X and they put all of those together and a machine has been trained on, here's what an image of that should look like. And so if your images look very different than what Google expects from the topic that you're talking about on your page, those images might not rank, even if they have all the right keywords in the alt text or the file names. If you're telling it something that doesn't line up with what it's telling itself with its vision, it's, it's never going to be good. So you always want to make sure you have a match between what you're telling Google and what Google is discovering Fantastic. on their own. All right. Uh, let's go with the last myth that you want to talk about today. So this myth is that, uh, that the platform that you use to build your website doesn't matter. 
Okay. So a lot of people, even SEO experts will say, uh, Google is platform agnostic or Google doesn't care about which platform you can use. You use, they can all rank just the same. And the truth of the matter is that the platform you use does matter. And I'll use a quick analogy for photographers. It's like the lens that you use on your camera. And the, the lens in and of itself doesn't matter. It, like you, you can take pictures with any lens, right? Like, well, for the most part, any standard lens, you can put it on your camera and the camera will work just fine. It'll say, okay, great. You're using an 85 millimeter right now, or you're using a 30 millimeter right now or whatever. It doesn't care. Right. Camera doesn't care. That's like people saying Google doesn't care about the platform. Camera will still take the picture. The problem is whenever you look through that lens, you see things differently. All right. And so if you put a tilt shift on your camera and you tilt it, you see the, the things in front of you differently than if you would have taken it with a regular um, lens. Or if you put on a 70 to 200, you zoom in at 200 millimeters, it looks very different than it looked with a fisheye at 15 millimeters. Right. So the way that you think when you're building your website can be affected by the options that a platform gives you. And that in and of itself is incredibly important. And I think the many of the errors that come from platforms or the problems that come from platforms are because of the decisions that they make um, standard for people who are building their website. Uh, so just keep that in mind. Uh, also, there are technical problems that can come up with certain platforms. So uh, even something like Squarespace, lately they've had quite a few issues where if you have a certain scenario, let's just say like one of the clients that we were working with has hundreds of blog posts and every one of them has an AMP version, but Squarespace like did this weird thing where they use the wrong URL. They're called their built-in URL for all of the AMP versions instead of the standard URL. Like you, you can't control that. You couldn't fix it on Squarespace and Squarespace just indexed hundreds of, of pages for the site that were all the wrong URL and Google was just having, like they couldn't figure out what the heck was going on. So many errors in search console and stuff like that. I'm not saying that everyone will have those problems, but what I'm saying is you need to make sure that the platform you choose fits your business and that you're not going to outgrow the platform and that the decisions that you make when you're building your website are not going to be influenced too much by a template or a design or a feature of a platform that could actually lead you down the wrong path. It does. does that make uh, sense? Follow up to that though. I mean, I think I, I get your concept. I mean, I get what you're saying in concept, but uh, obviously as people who are working on photographs for clients who need to have them tomorrow or yesterday, you are, you're, you're sort of, you know, we, we are in a, in a sort of a bind because we don't have that, uh, we don't have the foresight that you may have because you know a little bit more about what's going on in the industry. You know what's yeah. coming. Uh, yeah. You know, there are things that we haven't even discussed about WordPress and, uh, you know, what's what's happening in the in the template world. You know, th there's a major yeah. shakeup that's coming, but, you know, how do most photographers or what do most photographers need to do to get ready for that shakeup? I mean, because a lot of people are still, you know, stuck in the 1990s in a way, you know, because they're sort of like, uh, let's just do an HTML page and stick a couple of pictures and, you know, uh, that'll be it. I mean, that's all I'm capable of doing at the moment. I mean, they may not have the resource or whatever, but, mm -hmm. you know, 
this is this is the challenge we have. I think, as, and I speak for photographers because I have a Squarespace site. Uh, I have a couple of Squarespace sites, and I have one that's uh, the the one that we're going to have this 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 chat on Tiffinbox, which is all WordPress. You know, so I see I see both sides of things, and you know, on my end. Squarespace is super easy, you know, drag and drop and you're done. And, and yeah, you got to add a few things to the SEO side of things and, and, and you move on, you know, uh, the, yeah. the, if, if we get to that point with WordPress, then I think I, I will probably say that there's going to be a major shift back from Squarespace into WordPress, you know. I think we're already there. I think it's just a matter of people not being aware. Like you said, you don't, you don't have the time to like go out there and study what's out there and, and understand everything. I'm trying to work on education for that kind of sure. thing a lot yeah. right now. Um, but I think, I think the most important thing, like in a short, like we brought, I brought this up as a myth because what I really want people to think about is what works for another person may not work for you. Don't look at someone who has a show it site and say, just because they are ranking well, I will rank well with a show it site. It's not necessarily going to happen, especially whenever you have big names who are authorities in the industry who have been featured in like every kind of magazine and national news and stuff like that, their backlink profile is so good that they could use any platform they want and still rank well because they just have so much authority. So you have to make sure that when you're comparing things, you're comparing apples to apples. You're comparing a person who is a rel relatively the same as your business you have maybe the same kind of links or the same kind of local signals, maybe the same proximity of address, then you can maybe start thinking about like, what are they using? I just, I get so frustrated when I go into groups and people ask, what should I use? I'm building a new website. And all these people come in here and they start recommending this and this and this. And then, or someone asks a question like, well, people said SEO is not good on um, show it, but I'm ranking on the first page. And everyone's like, yeah, you ranked on the first page. It must be great for SEO. And it's just, that part is not necessarily true. What you have to be thinking is, what are my needs for my business? Am I going to do uh, a thousand blog posts? Because that's, I want to be a blogger and I'm going to blog three times a week and it's going to be lots of content. Am I going to have, or am I going to have five pages on my site and blog maybe once a month? And that's it. And it's just a simple site. I don't necessarily need it to compete with everybody. I, I recommended Squarespace to someone yesterday because they were a dog photographer and they did some dog training and there just isn't enough competition and there wasn't enough content on their site to ever really worry about having something complicated or having a, a good content management system. They don't need advanced kind of uh, plugins to let them control the way that all of the content on the site relates to each other because it's literally just 10 pages, you know? And so that's the kind of thing I'm talking about here is like, you need to make sure that you match, think about your business goals now, but think about your business goals in the future and, and make sure that you're spending more time than you think you should on researching this, especially if you're just getting started. So folks, you've just heard Corey <laughs> deliver what was supposed to be only a 10 minute little chat to now I think it's over <laughs> 30 minutes probably. Uh, this is the kind of information that I get from Corey and uh, honestly, it's valuable uh, to the point where you know, if you feel like you are struggling with SEO, you don't know your way around SEO, 
uh, Corey's the guy to go to, and uh, he has a wonderful course uh, for photographers, uh, SEO course for photographers, it's as simple as it sounds, um, and it's on his website at the moment. And at the moment, there are some fantastic bonuses that uh, I'd let Corey talk about that come with signing up the, for this course. Uh, remember now, folks, you're going to be learning to do this on your own, but you're not going to be sort of left to drift off on your own either. Uh, you are going to be part of a community, and that's what Corey's website is all about. I've learned a lot from being on his Facebook forum as well. Uh, it's, a, it's, a, it's a wonderful place where people share, uh, ask questions, understand that things are changing, but you know, you're not to be just sort of left off to float away on your own. So uh, this is a, a great place for you if you feel like you're ready for it. Uh, talk to us a little bit about the bonuses, uh, and uh, maybe even the course, to be honest with you. I need to know, or we need to know a little bit more about the course. So tell us. Yeah, so the course is, uh, we basically put together everything we think photographers need to know about SEO. And we've done it in a couple of different ways. So the course is a mixture of types of content. We have very specific actionable strategies, and we also have some lecture style education that's going to teach you about things like cornerstone content or searcher intent. Those are things that you probably could listen to while you're editing, but you need to know them because it's a fundamental part of how you think about SEO. However, we also in the course get into, Hey, here are some specific ideas on how you can get more reviews or how you can get backlinks or, um, here's some specific tips on how to find long tail keywords if you're doing keyword research. So we have a mixture of the what you need to learn and then how to actually do it. We have some things that are platform specific for WordPress, Show It, and Squarespace. It's just like we made a roadmap of like if you were just starting and, and, and you didn't know what you needed to do, you could start at the beginning of this and kind of go through the lessons in the order that we have them in the roadmap. And by the time you got to the end, you would have done the most important things that are most likely to have an impact on your ranking. You won't be wasting time doing things like stuffing keywords in alt text that's going to take hours and hours and hours and have very, very little impact. You're going to be doing the big, broad strokes that are likely to have a huge impact on ranking. So that's kind of the idea of the course. Um, there's hours of video, there's lots of written content, but it's also... Um, we've made it so you have lifetime access so that you can kind of go over it when you want. I think if you actually spent the time to watch all of the lessons and read through the content, by the time you got to the end, you'll know more than probably 95% of photographers about SEO. And that's a really good position to be in. Whether you do your SEO or whether you hire someone to do your SEO, you'll know what needs to be done and you'll be able to speak with someone intelligently about it uh, so that you can make the right decisions for your business. Awesome. One question that I know people probably are thinking of is things change very quickly and Google doesn't tell you what yeah. it's changing, obviously. Uh, and you are on top of things. Uh, how quickly and how often will the course be updated as uh, you know things change? Yeah. So I will say that in the grand scheme of things, things change much less often than you think when it comes to how Google works. Um, there are some big things that happen maybe once a year or something like that. If you kind of look back historically that you need to know about, we'll always be adding those things in. 
as we have data that helps us to understand like how those things are actually impacting sites. Um, for the most part, when Google rolls out big changes, they don't impact the majority of sites. They're, they're trying to make changes that will make the whole web uh, or all the results higher quality, but people who are doing the right things to begin with rarely get impacted by those changes. Um, things, things that do change frequently are things like tools and interfaces. And we try to update that, you know, at least every couple of months I'm going back in, like right now I've, um, I've got a keyword research video that used a couple of tools that just in the past month have changed. And I've already started working on updating that to give you the, you know, new interfaces for the new tools or better suggestions since those tools aren't available anymore. That kind of stuff does happen frequently. And we are going to do our best to update that as, as quickly as possible on those cases. I can't thank you enough for your time, Corey. Really appreciate uh, all that you're doing for the industry. And uh, I hope we can stay connected. Uh, I'm, I'm already part of the course, so I know I'm learning from you there as well. But uh, do come back and update us once in a while when you can uh, to talk about SEO, to talk about the kinds of things that we should be aware of. I think uh, this format is also kind of cool, although you know, you'd want people to go to your website and Facebook, uh, the ability to reach out and you do this all quite often with other folks. I notice, uh, be able to come out and talk to people, I think is, is incredibly uh, important as well. Thanks for doing that. Mm -hmm.